You're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. Today, I'm joined with a good friend of mine, John Millard, and I think what he's done uh, is definitely going to be beneficial to a lot of the listeners today. He's created a guided discussion. It's a 15-minute guided discussion. It is a emergency field manual for anxiety and panic attacks and how those of you that suffer with them can no longer just be a victim of them but actually learn to control them and embrace them as a, as a little bit of what you've got going on but not fall fully victim to them. So, John, I want to thank you. Go ahead, uh, go ahead and thank you for coming on, man. Well, I want to thank you, Jeff, for having me on, because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have this platform to bring this message to your audience. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's an important message. Um, you know, when we were talking a little bit before we started, my 17-year-old son just recently this year started having panic and anxiety attacks, and they just kind of came up out of nowhere. Uh, it wasn't something that was, you know, on the surface that was bothering him. It, it turns out it was him getting ready to graduate high school and having to go out on his own and do everything. And it was, it's a lot of pressure for a young kid. So I, I kind of uh, understand that, but it was a little bit of a battle for a while trying to get that under control with him. Yeah. You know, that's a great segue into like my story because my story is very similar to your son's is that I was not an anxious person most of my life um, until I got to right before I graduated from college and I was going through the, I was in an internship. I was trying to finish up classes to get my degree, to get out. And I was just getting ready to start figuring out who I wanted to interview with and where I wanted to go. And it became kind of intense. And if you're not already managing your stresses very well, and all of a sudden events like that happen, anxiety can become like right there, right to the front, because it's your body. It's a natural reaction your body's having. It's not like you've got this, all of a sudden you got bit by this spider and you know, it's venom, you know, pulsing through your body and it's creating these anxiety symptoms. It's a natural stress response and it's fear-based worry and fear-based. So, I mean, if you're nervous, fearful, stress is rising, um, you're going to start experiencing anxiety and anxiety is just like symptom driven. I think, you know, I mean, most of the time people start to really struggle with the symptoms of anxiety like the racing heart rate, the tightness in the chest, like maybe the dispersonalization that you can have, uh, the tightness of your eyes, like as you, your, your vision gets a little weird. Um, and that in, in the guided um, field guide I have, I, I go through some of that demystification of those symptoms. You know, like, why are you feeling this way? You know, why is this happening? So in my story, I was immediately like, I fought it for a bit. I was like, ah, I must just be stressing. No big deal. I eventually went to the med center on campus and they asked me all sorts of questions about stuff like they always do. And then immediately tried to medicate me as they do. Um, I didn't want to be medicated. I don't like to, I don't like to put stuff in my body that's going to change my chemistry, I would say, but I tried it and it made me feel worse. It made me overreactive to what it was doing to my brain chemistry. I actually thought I could feel my brain chemistry changing. So I was on it for like maybe four days. Um, and I quit. I said, no, I'm not going to do it this way. And it was a while. It was about a couple years of just struggling daily with anxiety before I finally just said, you know, screw this. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back to taking drugs for this, but I'm going to do my research. I'm going to figure out what causes anxiety. I'm going to figure out what, what it's all about. So I got my first job and I had to move from Kalamazoo, Michigan up to Grand Rapids. So I had to move all my stuff and find a place to live, got my first job. And that's when I started doing my research on anxiety and panic. And I found out some really interesting facts about anxiety that just knowing about the symptoms and what you're feeling is totally normal was the first step for me in my first phase of recovery. Because you, you can get better quickly with anxiety once you demystify the symptoms, but you've got to maintain that plan of attacking your anxiety throughout your life. You're going to always be susceptible to it. Once it happens one time, you're probably going to be dealing with anxiety for your whole life. So you, I look at it more like 
I picture a rain bucket. Like it's, it's, it's got holes in the bottom and it's open in the top and your stresses and all the bad stuff that you're not dealing with are going in the top and they're trickling out the bottom. So it doesn't stay full, but if you pour in too much too fast and it overflows, there's your panic attack. There's your anxiety. So anxiety is really a way of saying you're not managing something in your life right now mentally that is causing you the problem. So you can either decide to figure out how to drill more holes in your bucket through meditation, breath work, things like that, or you can work on the stresses you have in your life, avoiding things that, or removing things that are adding too much stress to your life or adjusting your lifestyle accordingly. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. That's a very good analogy too. I'm actually going to use that. Um, now I know you said, you know, one of the first things that uh, they tried when you went to the med center on campus was they tried to medicate you uh, and then you quit. Uh, for everybody listening, neither John or myself are advocating that if you are currently on prescribed medication for anything that you stop them. If they are working for you, you know, definitely um, speak to your health care provider, mental health care provider before you make a snap judgment or do anything drastic like stopping your medications. Yeah, I was um, within the first week. And so I consulted with my physician and he said, well, you haven't taken it enough to really have an effect. You won't have the withdrawals. But if people are taking, you know, antipsychotics or, you know, anxiety meds and they have been taking them for years and they just stop, you're going to have a very miserable moment and it could, it could cause much more harm than good. But there is ways to come off. Yeah, it could, it, it could, it could, right. It could end catastrophically with an abrupt stop. So mm-hmm. keep so, everything that, uh, that, John, that John and I are talking about uh, as neither one of us are licensed therapists, but it, <laughs> while it should be common, while it should be common sense, yeah. uh, disclaimer, stopping any kind of medic. Yeah. Disclaimer, stopping any kind of medication on the advice of two random dudes on a podcast is not a good idea. Talk no, to your doctor. No, it's not. no yes. I, <laughs> I mean, and I still, even when I stopped, I, I did consult with my physician. So I was, I, I did read the literature and it said, you know, if you've been taking this for more than 10 days or whatever, but yeah, so that, that, right. that was really um, how I started, which sounds very similar to how your son started. It's like, you know, going through a change in life and things are getting crazy could have been some previous stresses that were already there. Then you add more of these stresses of, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? And then boom, your bucket's full, overflow. Yeah. And I think actually uh, I could have really used this field guide, you know, this emergency field guide back when it was uh, really kind of getting heavy. Um, Cause I was getting, or my wife, we were getting a phone call every single day from him uh, at, at the high school saying, I can't take this. I need somebody to come pick me up. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's like, dude, what's wrong? Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. And we're like, dude, what's wrong? He's like, I don't know. I just, I can't breathe. My heart's pounding. I'm tremoring. We're like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. But you know, going back to what you said about demystifying the symptoms, I think, and I hate the internet with a passion when it comes to this, but I think he kind of maybe exacerbated the problem himself when he was Googling his symptoms. Yes, that will happen. In fact, you know, cause I you know, web, <laughs> web, web MD, web, God, web MD is one of those where if you stub your toe and look up the symptoms, suddenly you have like colon cancer. Oh God. You know, I got a hangnail and I've had it for it, three weeks. I think I have cancer. Yeah. And so him not understanding and me not really knowing what was going on either. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of knew it was a panic attack and I, I dealt with panic attacks before, not to an extent like what you had or what he was having, <clears throat> but him struggling to identify and demystify what those symptoms were we're really exacerbating the problem because one, he's already stressed and he's already worried. And then you turn around and he goes, well, I'm having chest pain. Oh God, I'm having a myocardial infarction according to, to Google, <laughs> yep, you know, yeah, you know, oh, oh God, I've got mitral valve prolapse. I've got cancer. And 
oh, I'm trembling. I have Parkinson's, you know? Oh, God, yeah. And, 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 yeah, you know, and he wanted me to take him to the doctor and all this. Other. We took him to the emergency room once and, yeah. you know, they did the EKGs and said, you're perfectly fine. You're just stressed out. Yeah, now, of course, they're, they're trying to kick you out the door. Yeah, they're trying to, I would always suggest that if you're having anxiety and panic and you're terrified of the symptoms that you're having with chest and things like, especially with chest pains, if you're having chest pains, raising heart, things like that, I always suggest the first step you should do is go see a doctor about it. You know, that will, you know, not only will it more than likely, you'll be fine and you're, you will be at ease about the next time you feel that way. And the doctor will probably say, yeah, you just had a mild anxiety attack, panic attack, whatever, you know. Now that puts that symptom now in a different in a different place. It's now not I'm gonna die. It's oh I'm having an anxiety attack. Now you'll still fight that battle. Oh maybe this time I am having a heart attack. But you know I was fortunate enough through an unfortunate event where I had to go have like a bunch of heart procedures done, like to test for you know possible like ventricular problems, like during my anxiety times. And I think I'd always had this condition where if you have like this little accessory pathway in your heart electrically, all of a sudden your heart will go into a tachycardic state through stress. Like stress will make it go from, you know, beating in this circle to beating in a faster circle. And so I had that, but because of my anxiety, I was freaking out about it. So I went and got that fixed. And through that process, I was able to find out that my heart's totally fine. They just needed to zap this little, this little accessory pathway to keep the electrical working properly. So that took all my heart issues or my heart feelings off the, off the table. Now I've always said that, okay, there's two things that I wanted to talk about with regard to symptoms. And it sounds to me like your son is falling victim to what I call like the creativity of anxiety is that most people with anxiety that really struggle with it are very creative mentally. And I'm going to say that because when you are having an anxiety attack, the things that kick off the symptoms is your amygdala the part of your brain that like if you touched something hot, your hand just comes away from it without you thinking about it. So your mind just triggered something without you actually cognitively thinking about it. All of a sudden now your heart's racing. You don't know why there wasn't a precipitous event that caused this. And now your cortex kicks in and starts writing stories about this. It starts telling itself that there's something wrong with you. It starts telling these stories about, Oh, what could this be? It starts thinking about what they saw on WebMD. And that just exacerbates the whole problem. So understanding the symptoms helps you to slow down that creative mind. So you're like, ah, I'm having an anxiety attack. This is happening. My central nervous system is being flooded with adrenaline. So I'm shaky. I've got my heart's racing. My vision's narrowing. The biggest one that got me, and it might be getting your son too, is the um, depersonalization. Because when you're going through an anxiety attack, it's like you're preparing to run from a bear. You know, it's like, but there's no bear. So your body's preparing itself for a fight or a flight. And so it's raising your heart rate, getting your body ready to fight. You get tingly. Your vision narrows because you're focusing. And your depersonalization's happening because adrenaline's running through your body because it doesn't want you being distracted by anything. It needs you to focus on this one thing right now. And so you start to feel a little disconnected from yourself. And that can be really terrifying, especially if you're not used to that feeling. So that demystifies a couple symptoms. But yeah, um, it was one night I had to go in there and we had to have a conversation. I was like, look, man, you know, you're having a panic attack. And that's what this is. I said, but what you need to do is to start to realize when you start feeling this way, you have a job to do immediately. And that job is to just do an area check. Are you actually in any danger? Is something pressing right now that you need to have this kind of reaction to? And if you're not, then know that this is just another attack. But now that you've identified that it's just an attack and it's not something external that's causing you to have this, you can start to work on controlling your breathing, calming yourself down, doing whatever kind of calming and self-soothing kind of exercises you need to do. But you have to be conscious of making that decision. Okay, this is a panic attack. Yes. I mean, 
I, one of the biggest things, and maybe, you know, most anybody out there that has anxiety has probably felt this before too, is one of the first things when I first started having anxiety, the first things I wanted to do was go outside and run around the house. And that's normal because your body's cranked full of adrenaline now because it's ready to kick some ass. And actually running around the house isn't a bad idea because that helps your body to burn off any of that excess adrenaline that's causing some of these symptoms. You'll notice, I think a lot of people with anxiety say the same thing, is like when they're having an attack, once the attack's over, it usually will subside about as quickly as it occurs. And once it subsides, you're left like feeling like you just ran a mile. Like you're just kind of mentally and physically drained. And that's because your body's all fired up for no reason, sitting on the couch. So I'd always advise people that are, if you're going through an anxiety attack, you know, there's one thing I would do is drink a glass of water because, you know, sometimes you get dehydrated and that can trigger an anxiety attack. And then go for a walk, especially if you have the ability to walk in nature, sun out, whatever, I don't care. Go for a walk because that starts to help your body to break down any of this excess adrenaline that might be going on in your body that's causing some of these symptoms. And then start to think about what triggered it. You know, do a deep dive, you know, like, okay, what, what was going on? What, what is triggering my attacks? You know, what is causing these to happen? And understand that if it is truly anxiety and panic, I don't think, again, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a historian, but I don't believe anybody's actually died from an anxiety or panic attack. I mean, it's not, it's not a real, I mean, maybe not, maybe not directly. Maybe if they had one while driving and they crashed, but you know, directly, directly dying, you know, yeah. <clears throat> right. And, and um, the other thing I would say is like, when you're feeling this way, something that can also trigger continued anxiety while you're trying to evaluate what's happening to you is you might be feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm losing my mind. Like I'm losing, you're not. If you question whether or not you're losing your mind, you're not losing your mind. People who go crazy don't think they're crazy. So... <laughs> If you're having anxiety, oh my God, I'm gonna go crazy. I'm gonna end up in a nut house. No, the fact that you just evaluated that comment means you're not nuts. So, I mean, that's- Yeah, crazy people think everyone else is crazy. <laughs> yes. So, <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, getting back to like kind of the the creativity triggering thing in your brain, like I, I, I love reading up on, so my big deep dive was first to demystify the the symptoms when I was going through this, trying to figure out what's going on. Then it was to try to figure out how can I make the symptoms go away the fastest. And then it was, okay, how do I make this not happen anymore? And as I started to get my arms wrapped around being able to deal with my anxiety, then I wanted to know what is going on in my brain that's causing this and why. And that's what we just touched on. Once I realized like, oh, it's that part of my brain that's just firing off because that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to recognize that there's something freaking you out and it's supposed to make a reaction quicker than you can think about it you know someone throws a baseball at your face you're probably going to move your face without thinking about moving your face you know? well i would hope so yeah it's like whack oh i was thinking about it and i decided not to by accident so no your mind is is doing the right thing it's doing the right thing and it's and it's doing it on purpose and it felt stressed it felt it felt felt challenged in some way it felt like you were in danger and it was creating your, it was, it was pre, precursively training you to handle the moment. But, you know, nowadays when we have all of these social media platforms and we're tied to our phones and we don't have this ability to really manage our stresses because we're always too distracted, um, any little stress will can trigger an anxiety attack, which I think a lot of people are starting to have more anxiety because of these devices that we're so attracted attached to I just read an article well, the other day about yeah it's like sensory overload you oh, know you've God. got you know and it's really easy for people especially young teenagers or the early 20 somethings who are kind of more prone to the emotional reaction to things who haven't really been around the block yet mm -hmm. you know they see uh whether it be a friend said this or a celebrity did that or a politician said or did this and they're already pissed off you know because they're, they hate their job or their boss pissed them off or their girlfriend or boyfriend whatever and on top of all of that you've got this constant blaring of attention grabbing crap in your face and you're, you're literally being overloaded by different stimulations that 
it's no wonder more people aren't actually suffering from something like this. I think and if they are, maybe I don't know. I think a lot of people are and they just don't know what it is. And so then they, then they dive, they deep dive, their meditation then becomes, I'm just going to binge Netflix for the half, a half a day because it makes me feel better right now. Instead of like actually taking their actual mental health and looking at it objectively and saying, okay, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to do something about this. A book I'm just getting ready to start reading is called 24-6. I can't think of the girl that wrote it. But it's all about the idea that you can have your phone and your computer and your stuff like that 24 hours a day, six days a week. But the seventh day, you got to get away from it. Whole day, be done. You can only be on the, you know, then that gives your mind and your body and your mental status a break from the rigors of social media and screens everywhere. Um, Usually when I'm struggling with, you know, lately, because tax season's coming up. I hate tax season. This is when I get my most anxious. Is uh, Taxation know. is theft, in case oh. you guys were wondering. Yeah, well, I could say a couple of things, but there's a whole other podcast for that. Um, so I've been a lot, a lot more anxious this last couple of weeks. I'm trying to wrap things up. I'm trying to head on vacation, and I've got this huge tax bill that I'm going to have to deal with. And so at night, guess what you think about? You're thinking about that. You're not thinking about, I should probably get a good night's sleep. You're not thinking that, well, if I think about this and I don't get a good night's sleep, my anxiety is going to be worse tomorrow. Yeah, you're thinking about the one thing you don't need to be thinking about before you go to sleep because sometimes it's really hard to shut off. Yep. I I get that uh, because you're also an entrepreneur. You own a company that uh, makes these awesome leather watches. I mean, wallets, no, leather watches. I I just looked at my watch, and that's why I say watches. (laughs) Uh, No, leather wallets. I have wallets and I have a consulting company for uh, supply chain warehouse management. And I have okay. a, another brand for golf apparel that I'm trying to kick off. I've got too many things going on right now. In you fact, do have a lot going on. It's better for me to stay distracted because my mind is extremely like quick and it's like moving all the time. And so as long as I can stay focused, that's one of the things I was going to talk about with regard to how you manage stress in your life is kind of a really hot topic. You know, some people use booze, worst thing you can possibly do, you know, sure. It's fun. You're having a good time and you're not anxious right now, but tomorrow you're going to be doubly anxious. Okay, cool. I'm going to use booze again. Yeah. Well, the third day you're going to probably have a guaranteed panic attack. And it's going to be the worst day of your life while your body detoxes from the booze and your mind is, you know, having to deal with the fact that, you know, and then all of a sudden, Oh wow, I'm an alcoholic, and now you're in trouble. So I always. Yeah, say, it's know, not really a great, uh, great form of medicating right there. But but yeah, I feel you on the constant need to be distracted. That's why my face looks like a lobster now. I, uh, I'm, I'm always outside having to build or do something because I work so much, you know, on this thing on this laptop. That after a while, I just start getting like cabin fever, and I got to go outside and. You know, rake leaves or chop wood yeah. or something. Spend a whole lot of friggin' time out in this friggin' sun. That's awesome, though. You're getting a lot of vitamin D. Vitamin D is great for anxiety. Yeah, but, you know, I'm Scandinavian and Scotch Gales. I'm, 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 I don't tan, I burn. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm getting ready to go to Florida here in a couple of weeks, and I think I actually have to go to a tanner for the first time ever because I don't want someone to mistake me for a beached whale and throw me in the ocean. Oh man, it's terrible. Yeah, if anything will cause an anxiety attack, it'll be, be it'll be uh be uh being mistaken for a whale and thrown yeah. into the Atlantic. So you know, I'll just talk about a couple things here because these are my triggers, and they could com- they might they might kind of with some of the listeners, uh, might make sense to them. Is like I've got certain triggers that cause my anxiety, and some of them are based on like flying. Like I don't like to fly. I, 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 I need to be in control. Like anything that's going to take control away from me and I have to rely on somebody else, whether it's, it used to be really bad for me when people would go places and I would have to carpool with them, I'd freak out. I'd be like, ah, I don't want to be stuck somewhere. I want to be in control of when I can leave and when I can do what I want to do. Um, or when I'm flying, I don't like being stuck in a tube. How do I manage anxiety when I'm going through those things? is I try not to focus on those things, as simple as that sounds. But I also try to breathe my way through it, and I accept it. Adam Smith said something today on Twitter that that made so much sense. 
So apparently he had some, some uh, PTSD-driven anxieties and panics. And he said in his tweet that he would challenge his anxiety. He wasn't going to let it you know, affect him. I wish I would have copied the tweet down. It was pretty awesome. And it made so much sense because instead of letting anxiety come in and just be, challenge it to do what it's going to do. Because worst case scenario, you will probably at the worst case will hyperventilate, pass out. And then when you come to, maybe your whole event is over. Oh, wow, he landed. Wow, cool. Passed out. <laughs> I've never in my whole 20 plus years of having anxiety, I've never actually passed out. Came close one time, but never had. But, but it was so like invigorating to get that close, to let the anxiety do whatever it wanted to do and just let it be there that I almost wasn't as afraid of it anymore. Well, I, I feel like that puts you, like you were just saying, in control. I feel like that puts you back in the driver's seat. You're, you're, not, you're not being attacked by these emotions and this sudden flush of, you know, brain chemistry. At this point, you're, all right, I want to see this. And, you know, and you're willfully going through those experiences. Well, it changes your cortex-driven narrative. Instead of your cortex-driven narrative being oh my gosh, I think I'm going to die. Oh my gosh, you know, what's wrong? My hands are shaking. Do I have some sort of disorder? Should I look this up on the internet? Should I go to the hospital? Oh my gosh, I'm having trouble breathing. I think I'm going to stop breathing. By the way, you will never stop breathing. That's why you will pass out before you'll stop breathing. Your body just won't let that happen. Um, is that now your narrative changes to like, oh, if that's all you got anxiety, that's all you got is some flush, some like narrow vision. My heart's racing a little bit. That's it. That's all you got. Bring it, brother. Bring it. Let's do this. Let's go face to face right now. And now your narrative is not drawing your, I always call it like snake eating his tail moment in anxiety where, you know, you're starting to get over anxiety. Now you freak yourself back out and it makes you even more anxious. Instead of that happening, now you've got anxiety on the ropes and now you're just like, okay, I'm just going to wait now for the adrenaline to kind of go away. So the symptoms kind of subside, but I'm not going to hold myself in this state anymore. I'm going to let myself kind of attack instead of being attacked, like you said. So. I really like that. So I know you've got your, uh, your emergency field manual on Gumroad for sale right now. I do. Um, it's, I'm going to mark it down to like $5 like for the next like two weeks. That's awesome. Because I that's want awesome. to uh, Right. Now, I will be providing a link for that for those listening uh, in the show notes of today's episode that will be released a few hours after we finish recording. Um. Now, but, the interesting thing about that is it's actually, it actually has what I did is I recorded a binaural audio track for it, which is where you have two different tones going in each ear, and it's been scientifically proven. Mm -hmm. the, the dissonance between those two tones, if you have it at a certain hertz, depending on what you're trying to get through, whether you want to uh, relieve stress, anxiety, or you want to concentrate more on our different, our different frequencies. I have this one dialed in for helping to manage an anxious mind. And so... It's just going on. So I recommend if anybody goes out there, it says it, uh, you should wear headphones when you're listening to it because that tone alone will help to put your mind a little bit more at ease so you can deal with the, the walkthrough. Yeah, that's really cool. I actually only this year, no, <clears throat> late last year, uh, actually heard about uh, binaural beats because I'd never heard of them. I'm not, you know, it's not I'm a, a dinosaur when it comes to... It's a new thing. No, a newer thing. but I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a dinosaur about things when it comes to uh, the, the new things. Like I, I had no idea what Gumroad was until I got onto Twitter. <laughs> I had no idea. You know, I, I didn't have any idea what uh, Snapchat was until a few months ago. TikTok. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the only reason I know what that is, is because of Jack Murphy. But <laughs> Yeah, see, I don't, I, I'm learning just as you are. I mean, I learned about Gumroad through Twitter recently. This whole side of Twitter that I've been so fortunate to become a part of uh, with yourself and, you know, some of those guys from um, FOE, it's just been, it's been mind-changing. You know, I mean, uh, working with Chris Johnson a little bit last, what was that, about six months ago, he got me into the wallet business. Um, That's how you and I actually uh, met. Yep. Had you on the Ridge, well, it was a Ridge Market Support Group, kind of. Had you you and Nick on there to do a yeah. chat. So. Uh, it's funny because 
both people you've mentioned, uh, Adam and Nick, have both been guests on this podcast. So you are in good Excellent. company. Excellent. I feel I feel pride right right there with that. So to get back onto the target here, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, we keep going down rabbit holes, and I think that's my fault. That's okay. I perfectly totally understand. The next topic I wanted to talk about was the, the you talked about breathing exercises, and, and my favorite breathing exercise is the one that the Navy SEALs do called box breathing. If you're familiar with mm-hmm. box breathing, yeah, um, was that it's four seconds in, four second hold, four second X, four second wait, four seconds in. Then you keep going around, and it's always yeah. Like that. I have found that because of that hold at both ends, that's where the benefit comes, because you're breathing in, then you're holding it, so you're not only getting more oxygen, you're forcing yourself not to hyperventilate. You're forcing yourself to to come back to a tempo. Because in- yeah, and that, that relaxes your diaphragm, right? And your diaphragm is what's seizing during your hyperventilation phase. Yes, yes. And, and it, it helps to lower your heart rate, helps to lower your blood pressure, which will in turn help to ease some of the, sometimes you can get tingly. Sometimes when your blood pressure raises too quickly, you can get that, that tingly. Um, yeah. it'll, it'll help just calm your central nervous system down a little bit. It's like massaging your central nervous system for a hot minute just to get you back to center. One of the things I talk about in the field manual is a lot of people with anxiety, especially if they're one of their biggest symptoms is their fear of hyperventilation, is it's hard to do those exercises. It's hard to box breathe. Um, and it's, it's like any other exercise you do. You're not going to go, all right, I'm going to do 50 push-ups right now. I haven't done a push-up in three months, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do 50 of them in a row right now. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. But you're going to do maybe 20. And then tomorrow you'll do 25. And then a month from now you're doing 70 or whatever. You might not be able to box breathe maybe one or two iterations at a time before you have to like, okay, I can't do it anymore. But keep at it. I mean, you keep working towards being able to do it. I've, I've told many people that have come to me outside of this podcast that if you want to be really good at box breathing, get to the point where you set a timer for 15 minutes. 15 minutes. If you can work up to the point where you can box breathe for 15 minutes, there's not a panic attack or anxiety attack on the planet that could take you down. Because once you get to that point, you'll never need 15 minutes. You'll probably need three, five at the most. But if you can get to 15-minute box breathing, not only are you meditating because you're home, you're still, but you're learning how to control your breath. And you can do it at any time for however long you want. It's a, it's a discipline, and it's a discipline you need. I would say it's the, it's the biggest tool in your belt against anxiety. Breathe. Yeah, and... If you think about it, and this, you know, just popped into my head, it takes a a bit of focus to count your, you know, I'm inhaling for four seconds, then I'm counting for four seconds while I hold. It's going to be four seconds until the exhale is complete, and then I've got another four-second hold. That takes a lot of, you're focusing on that, and then if you you can focus on, right, if you can focus on that for 15 minutes, you can focus on anything for any amount of time. Now, I because can see it's going to take I, you a while to get to that point. Yeah, I'll tell you, I can't right now. I cannot do that. I will be bored within those 10 minutes of counting, and I might just go to sleep trying to breathe. But, hey, if I'm having an anxiety attack and I fall asleep, I guess it worked. Win. That's, that's a win right there. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch base on is, and this is a huge thing I found when I was getting over my anxiety, was the myth of permanence. Impermanence is the idea that what you're going through right now is never going to change. Like when you're in the middle of an anxiety or panic attack, sometimes the one thing that's really messing with you is the fact that, okay, this is my life now. This is what I have to deal with for the rest of my life. Well, I'm screwed. I can't do this. I don't want to do this anymore. And then the depression starts to hit you. So that's not true. It's a myth and it's a, it's, it's, it's a magic trick that anxiety plays on you. It's, it's set up to, to keep you anxious. Like, oh my gosh, this is never going to happen. Our bodies change every second. Our cellular makeup is changing as we're talking right now. Things are changing. The world is moving. Nothing stays the same. And you're, you're not going to stay anxious or panic attacky for a long time. And sure, you might be going through an anxious panic attack moment right now, and maybe that moment might last a month, might last a week, might last a day. But if you start thinking that it's never going to go away, which is a fallacy, then you're going to kind of play into its grips on you. So it's not true. You're not going to constantly or permanently be there. And there's other tools you can use beyond box breathing and meditating. 
I went and uh, hunted down. So I went to all sorts of things just for knowledge and to see what they were all about. I went to a mindfulness practitioner. In the I, you might have to explain what that is because I don't know. A mindfulness practitioner, it's basically you sit there and this person evaluates like what's going on with you and he gets you to look inward as in feel what your body feels like in space right now. Feel what it feels like on the ground right now. How does the things in the room make you feel? Like really kind of be very mindful of the moment. Like even when you're having an anxiety attack, being mindful of what's happening in your body during that attack. That's part of the meditation in that field manual is as a meditation that kind of goes into a mindfulness idea. Like being aware of how your body feels on the earth, how the earth feels like it's pushing up on you, maybe you're pushing down on it. Take note of the inventory around you. What does that pillow make you feel like? What does that book make you feel like? Are there any things in this room that are triggering me right now to be more anxious, less anxious? You know, being mindful of the space around you. It's just, it's, it was a practice that after about, I think I did it for about six months, once a week. Oh, it wasn't even once a week, but once every couple of weeks, I'd go see this guy. And it was mind changing. Like just now I can look at things and think, you know, okay, what, 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 what triggered me just now? You know, why am I so anxious today? What was it that caused my anxiety today? And I can start to be real mindful about what's going on in my life, what's going on in my body. Um, there's also a um, blog I put together. Um, it's uh, timeoutfornow.com slash blog. And there's an article in there that talks about the connection between your stomach and your brain and how they found that in your stomach, there's actual cells that can communicate directly with your brain and bypass normal ways to get there. Like I'm not a scientist by all means, but, but that they're actually almost synaptical. Like they can actually communicate without you thinking about it. So your brain's going to react to something going on in your stomach before you really cognitively think about what's happening. They believe that it was created this way by the higher powers to help our bodies to expunge things. Like say if our prehistoric versions of ourselves ate a bad berry, our stomach would be able to tell our brain quick enough before it absorbed to throw it up. But in the same fashion, a lot of people have anxiety or is tied directly to how they feel in their gut. For me, that's a huge case. If my stomach is bothering me, I'm more anxious. If I'm more anxious, my stomach bothers me. And then it kind of becomes this vicious circle. So I always tell people. Like, well, yeah, that, that, that kind of ties into, you know, you are what you eat kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of changes in the way that I think, the way I move, the way I operate. When I clean my diet up. I used to be this very, very cynical, just miserable, uh, I want to watch the world burn because I'm sick of it all kind of person. Yeah. I'm not even joking. And granted, looking at me, it might not be that hard to imagine. But when I changed my diet and I stopped eating like just straight shit. Yeah. You know. You take processed food it was, out of your diet. You take like. Oh yeah, it was like a fog just washed away. Yeah, you know, and I stopped just eating crap. And not only did I feel better, you know, physically, but I felt like I maybe maybe feeling better physically contributed to not being so miserable mentally. Well, you can, depending on what you eat, you can actually create a brain fog. I mean, if your body's not processing properly, your brain's not going to be working effectively. I was right, well, I would like, assume like that's digestive. Hand. Yeah, I would, I, yeah, I was going to say, I, I would assume it's similar to, you know, when you get drunk, you know, you ingested something and then you have a brain fog. Yeah. Or the next day, you know, over how you can't seem to come right. because your body's like poisoned. So, yeah, I would say that there's a connection there between the stomach and the brain that, that a lot of people like, you know, I mean, for a while, I remember I was, when I was uh, down at school, before I started having anxiety, I had like, my stress would affect my stomach, but it wasn't giving me anxiety yet. I was young enough, my stresses weren't so high that I was anxious, but it definitely was a contributing factor. Um, I'd worry about being stuck somewhere because there was, I'd have to use the bathroom or something like that. And I'm a, I don't know, I don't like public restrooms. They freak me I don't out. think anyone does. If you do like public restrooms, it's because you earn extra cash in there. 
<laughs> yeah, so I, I was terrified of public restrooms. And so I'd always, this kind of lended into my fear of being stuck somewhere by carpooling somewhere with someone. I'd be like, ah, I want to be able to get home in case something happens in my stomach because everything, when I would stress, it'd be like straight shoot out. It was like no time to pass, go hit the restroom, you know? And I just didn't like to be living in that condition. And so then when I had anxiety, now I've got anxiety and that going on. Oh, so I had to clean up my diet. I had to figure out what trigger foods were messing with my body. And then I just had to stop being so like fearful of like, what was it that was scaring me about using a public restroom? Or what was it was scaring me about like being stuck somewhere? And it was all, a lot of times it's all perception. Like, what do you think, what are people going to think? What are people going to think about me? When you yeah. not give a shit what people think about you, 90% of your stress goes away. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so when you were younger and you, you know, and you were just on campus and you started really experiencing these things when you were getting ready to, you know, strike out finally into the real quote unquote real world uh, and see exactly how you were going to operate as a part of society. That's in that when your symptoms occurred was physical exercise or physical activity, something that was not a priority for you back then. And since then, and dealing with your anxiety has physical activity and exercise become a part of your mental health regimen. Physical exercise is a huge part of, my mental health regimen and always has been. In fact, again, like when I felt the worst is usually when I was the least in shape. But you can also look at guys like Kevin Love, who are NBA basketball player struggles with anxiety and panic. And he's probably in better shape than, than I am, I would hope. He's a freaking professional athlete. So, you know, it does help, but it's not like a cure. But it does give you like a better position from which to handle your anxiety. If you don't feel well, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to process or handle your anxiety very well. I mean, well, it's a lot of things being piled on at once, right? Oh. You know, you're physically ailing. Yeah. And you don't want to yeah. overtrain. Some people would think when they get anxiety and they think the exercise is going to help them, they'll overtrain because they want to just get out and constantly be working because it's distracting them from their anxiety. They feel like it's making them feel better. And if you overtrain, you've just gone backwards. Um, my sister's an actual doctor of physical therapy and she would always get on me about that. She's like, how many times do you work out this week? I'm like, mm, seven days, <laughs> 35 to an hour. She's like, don't do that. You're stupid. <laughs> She's like, you're just going to injure yourself. So stop doing that. So, um, so yes, exercise is huge. And, and when I was exercising right out of college, I was a lot younger. I could handle exercising more. Um, now I have to stick to just five days a week at the most, or my shoulders almost, they, they start to become like little inflamed fireballs. Um, yep. It was huge for helping me recover because not only does exercise help you feel better, but when you're exercising, you're forced to breathe. You're forced to breathe. You, you can't sit and like short breathe. Like normally what will lead to some people's triggers because they'll get tight, they'll get tense, and then their breaths will start to really shorten. Then they start to get lightheaded. Trigger, boom, heart rate goes up anxiety attack has begun and then they can't get out of that quick breathing. And then that's where they start to hyperventilate things like that happen. When you're exercising, you have to breathe. If I would go for a mile run sometimes when I was feeling a little anxious and you'd have to breathe. And by the time I got done with that run, I was, I felt better than I did, you know, any other time. I mean, you, 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 you feel like, Whoa, I just, I just did like, you know, 15 minutes of workout. My breath went good. My anxiety went down. But you can't just like be sitting in a boardroom, start to have a panic attack and go, uh, I got to go run a mile real quick. I'll be right back. Stop me 15, just 15. Yeah. Don't mind me. I'll be doing push-ups right here next to you all. Yeah. Uh, so, Ma'am, ma ma if you could slide down there, I don't want to be accused of looking. <laughs> so, so, you know, there's a place for it. I think that it should become, you know, a regiment. Um, that was one of my big things too, is like, if you're an anxious person, you can't live your life randomly. Like you have to have a regiment because when you're anxious and you don't know what's next or what you got to do next, or you don't have a plan, um, your brain is just going to go, okay, well, what do I do now? And this and that, you know, it should have a list of things to do. Another big trigger for me is procrastination. I procrastinate all the time. I try not to, but I'll be like, ah, oh, I really don't want to do that right now. I don't know. I don't know a single entrepreneur that doesn't procrastinate. So you are not in that boat alone, brother. <laughs> 
So, but, but, but when I procrastinate, I feel bad about it. Then that's a little stress, a little more rain going in that bucket. And, you know, then it starts to fill up again. So I try to not procrastinate. The way I don't procrastinate is I create huge to-do lists. I don't know if you can see this gigantic whiteboard behind me, but that is like key to my work life is that I'm always writing, marketing things down and wiping them off because there's nothing better than being able to go and wipe off a thing I needed to get done. And I can yeah. see it visibly. And then that stress goes down and then my anxiety goes down. Yeah. I have one of those screwed into the wall on my, in my hallway. So, well, yeah. here, here's a thing, little trick. That thing right there is actually just a big, I think it's, I think it's five by five by 10 piece of, it's actually meant to go on a cupboard like that, that shiny thing. Ah, you can get yeah. it from Depot for like, I think I got that for $8. Just brought it in, nailed it in. And then once it wears off, once it wears out of being able to be marker board anymore, it was $8. So let's go get another one. Slap it up there. Plus it's huge. huge. Oh yeah. So, but yeah, so getting back, I think, um, let's see, the last thing I had was uh, foods and drinks to avoid. Um, one huge thing that I had a problem with was caffeine. I drank a lot of coffee. Um, and I no, I know, but it doesn't mean you always, it doesn't mean you always can't drink coffee. Poor Nick. He punching me in the face right now. It just means that when I cut caffeine out of my mind, out of my body or out of my regiment, my, like my tendency to have heart related, like anxious moments went down when I'd have caffeine, my heart rate would get up there and that would trigger. And then I, I get like kind of light, light, lighthearted or lightheaded and my body just didn't feel right. So I cut caffeine out of my diet and that helped immensely. I've since added it back in drinking a blue frog right now, little, uh, mostly B vitamins and some taurine, but, uh, yeah, we're talking about cutting out caffeine and I literally just drank an entire thermos of black coffee. And you're over there it. slugging down. A... <laughs> I know. So, so no, but I've, I've been able to add it back in just slowly, you know. Um, right. Then I'll know if you're, when I went too if, far. I, yeah. I mean, if you're not sure where to start, cutting out these things are definitely going to be beneficial. No. And you I go, always, okay, well, caffeine's obviously a trigger. It might not be the trigger. If I cut out, co you know, caffeine for a day or a few weeks, uh, or, you know, a week minimum, and I don't notice any different. Okay, it wasn't the coffee. I can bring that back and see what else it might have been. Yep. And, and yeah. I would suggest if you drink a lot of coffee, don't just quit because you'll just feel like crap. You'll get headaches and weird shit. Just cut down. Like, cut down. See if that helps. If that doesn't help, cut down a little more. And then cut down to the point where maybe you have to cut it completely out. The other thing I would take out right. of my diet is processed foods and fast foods. Those we talked about it early. You add that kind of crap to your diet, it's going to make you feel bad. It's going to, it's going to raise your stress or your body's ability to deal with stress. That's another thing. It's like, those are the holes in the bottom of the rain barrel that you can d drill. Like, but when you eat like crap, you have to plug those holes because you're, you're actually creating a more volatile stress management system. It's not working as well. So I would cut that all out of my, all out of my diet. Um, the other things to add would be like magnesium supplementation. I, I got a lot of help out of magnesium. That at night, magnesium helps you stay asleep. Like especially, we're all deficient in magnesium. And couple magnesium with vitamin D because that helps, there's a dual absorption thing there. Um, so you want to couple your magnesium with vitamin D. But that helps you sleep. And if you sleep well, you're going to have a better, that's a drilled hole in your brain barrel. So that helps yeah. to manage your stress from that level. Um, other than that, you know, drinking lots of water, like cut out pop, sugar, as much as possible, and, and supplement with glasses of water. You need to be drinking like four to six glasses of water a day. You should be. Some people's yeah, minimum. anxiety are based on dehydration. Like they just get dehydrated during the day. You know, they just don't yeah. drink enough water. Well, you don't even, you don't even realize how much of – you know, water that you already have inside you that you're using throughout the day yeah. until at the end of the day, you wonder why you feel like crap. You know, I can't remember who had said it, but, and the guy's on Twitter too. And I think I follow him, but he had said on a, I believe it was a morning brew with Hunter drew episode where he was talking about 
the best solution is dilution. You know, you feel like crap and your and your blood's thick. You've got all this different, you know, toxins or whatever else running through your body because of the things you've been eating and things you've been intaking. Yeah. Dilute it with water. Dilute it. Just keep well, diluting it. it. Now don't yeah. drown yourself. No, you could actually kill yourself but, doing that, but Yeah. But your body but, needs you know, the the be- of course. Your body needs the, you know, the needs best the solution is dilution to get rid of stuff. I mean, your body, I noticed this recently as I'm trying to I'm on this like crazy weight loss journey before I go to South. I didn't need a lot to lose, but there was some. I was like, I was getting out of hand. I needed to do something. But I've noticed that some days I just feel like crap. Like just, ugh, just, just run down, tired, headachey for no, what appears like no reason. And I drink a little more water, I'd feel a lot better. Well, what happens is your body, when you, when you take in toxins, as we are every day, because we can't avoid them because it's our environment, our body stores those toxins in our fat cells. And so when you burn fat for fuel and when you're losing weight, that toxin now is, needs to be processed through your body. So if you don't have a way to flush it out of your body, it's going to sit there and your body's going to have to process and it's not going to be good. It's not going to make you feel any good. So our body. Yeah, and that's certainly going to, you know, Feeling like crap's certainly going to add to another anxiety attack, or at least be able to trigger one. Yeah, and and in a nutshell, anxiety—I've said this before—anxiety is like just the affliction of the overly creative. I I feel like, first of all, we have these triggers that will trigger some sort of fear response, and then the cortex gets really crazy, and you can get real creative, and then boom, there's your panic attack. Now it's like, I'm dying, things are happening, I think I need all this stuff. So if we can keep the triggers from happening or challenge the triggers, if you kind of have an idea of like, okay, what would normally be a trigger for me would be like, oh, I've got a flight to, it could even be for vacation. I've got a flight tomorrow at 6.14 p.m. or 6.45 a.m. So I'll just be an anxious mess all the way until I get to the airport. And then once I get through security, I'm feeling pretty good. But I challenge myself with that trigger. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's just sit here and just dwell on it for a hot minute. Just think about the plane, all the cool stuff. Everything's awesome. Yeah. And then eventually it loses its, it loses its power. So, but, yeah. you know, it, and I still have real anxious moments and I have a panic attack now and again, but they don't stick around. I'm not afraid of them. Put it that way. Like when they come around, I'm like, ah, Another panic attack. All right, come on, let's get this through. Let's get this through. I must have yeah. done something I didn't think right. But you've done the groundwork and and laid the foundation of being able to identify this is a panic attack. So you know we're coming up on the hour. Okay. So I just kind of I just kind of want to run back through everything that you've talked about. One was I believe demystifying the symptoms, understanding exactly what each symptom is doing to you and being caused by. Uh, yeah. The next was, these may be out of order, uh, the next, you know, fixing your diet, mm-hmm. you know, making sure you're not taking in crap. Um, then it was uh, the perception or the deep person. The idea of permanence, you know, myth. understanding that it's, yeah, it's not, this is not how you're living for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. The idea of, oh. Box breathing. The, 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 the box breathing, but the the depersonalization, the the feeling disconnected from yourself yeah. when it's happening. You feel like you're no longer in control, and I think you just kind of touched on the solution to that is when you're challenging your anxiety. Yeah, well, you know, it, it that's puts you back in the, control. Uh, that's another one of the symptom demystifications. Is uh, is when you feel like that. We kind of talked about like when you when you get that way. Sometimes you'll go, oh, I think I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy. And we said, like, well, when you, when you think you're going crazy, you're absolutely not going crazy. People who are crazy right. realize you're going crazy. But that symptom of, de- of, of depersonalization is just another symptom of your central nervous system and adrenaline and, and things like that that are occurring in your body as a natural reaction to a fear-based situation that your mind thinks is a fearful situation triggered by whatever you know, happened. could be a smell. could be something you saw. could be a spa- uh, could be an area you were in could be a someone you saw who knows whatever triggered you your your amygdala just fired off and said we got to deal with this right now and that becomes part of you know a symptom that you might deal with it's like right a, a vision narrowing a, 
uh, feeling disconnected, you know, it's like, it's just like the racing heart rate. It's, it's a normal thing. And that's when the idea of permanence can kind of kick you in the ass is if you're feeling disconnected from yourself and you feel like that's just the way you're going to feel forever, that can be absolutely horrifying. And that yeah. makes you fearful of the next attack. And if you can make each attack less effective against you, then each attack that you have, you can welcome and say, bring it, you know? Hence my book that I will be writing that I'm starting right now. I'm only a couple, I'm only a couple chapters in and it's, it needs to be reorganized, but is, is saying this anxiety is my superpower because it really is. It is. It has forced me to really think about things in my life and the way I manage stress to the point where I actually enjoy life more than if I didn't have anxiety. I firmly believe that. I think if I was just skating through and didn't have to deal with, you know, how I manage stresses, there's a chance that I wouldn't know as much about myself as I do. That's fantastic. <clears throat> um, so before we wrap up, what kind of an action plan, if you can just kind of maybe run through it here in the next few minutes, let's say you're talking, one of these listeners is going to have a panic attack in 10 minutes after they listen to this episode, you know, just for whatever reason, whatever triggers them. Yeah. What, what's an action plan that you would tell them to kind of walk them through uh, as it was happening and what, what you do, what works for you and what they can do to maybe start to get control of these because anxiety attacks and panic attacks, you know, I've seen them firsthand with my son. They can be debilitating if you let them. Oh, they can be. Um, the, the so what can we do? The first things first is to just, again, go back to the breath. Go back, try to get the calm back because the breath, and you're focusing on the breath, you're not letting your cortex create a real negative dialogue. You're focusing on the breath. The trick is to stop that. Stop that you're talking yourself into feeling worse moment. You know, like, okay, this is happening. Now my symptoms are causing me to create storylines that are terrifying me. So if you can get away from that part and focus on the breath, that'll help to slow everything down. That will actually start to take away from the symptoms having it, their grip on you. I've always said to drink a glass of water too. For whatever reason, it always makes me feel better to drink a nice, cool glass of water because maybe there's a fire in your stomach that's causing some, maybe you're dehydrated, but it's focusing on, okay, I just need to drink a glass of water, I need to work on my breathing. I need to sit in a quiet place for a minute I'm not, if I'm, if I'm haven't really gotten comfortable challenging my anxiety yet, now the whole point is to let's slow everything down. Let's get, let's let the body burn off its adrenaline that it kicked into your, you know, it kicked into your central nervous system and your body that's, that's kind of ramping you up. So you need to calm your breath, which will slow your heart rate, which will help to decrease the amount of symptoms you're feeling. And then start to really focus on how things are, you know, then you go into that mindfulness meditation of really trying to evaluate the thoughts that are coming into your mind and how they make you feel. Are they making you more anxious, less anxious? Um, the ones that make you more anxious, just let them dissipate. I always picture it like your, your brain is this big sunshiny sky and these clouds are coming in and the sun's burning them off as, as they go through. So it could be something, then, then you let it go, and then, then the next one comes in, then it's gone, then the next one comes in, then it's gone. And try to really put yourself into that place and really trying to calm your entire body down. Sit still. I always, you know, it doesn't hurt to play some calm, soothing music. It's okay. And accept it. Accept that this is happening to you. The more you try to fight it, the more it's going to grip you. So if you can accept your anxiety and your panic while you're going through an attack, say, it's okay. This is okay. I'm totally fine. Self-affirmations are huge. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get through this. Things are going to be okay. And this isn't going to be the way I feel forever. And continue to box breathe. That is your, that is your attack plan right there. Yeah, I like that. You know, I, I really hope that anybody who listens to this who has – whether they're a current, you know, sufferer of anxiety and panic attacks or they've been or they know someone who is, uh, I hope you take what is uh, and has been discussed here today uh, and really hope it works for you. I hope it actually can help you start to conquer this thing because 
I can't imagine what it would be like to be a victim of constant panic attacks and not feel like I had any control over my own life. So John, I think what you've created here with this uh, emergency field guide for panic and anxiety attacks is invaluable to a lot of people. Well, one of the um, big things about it is it's nice to know that there's somebody else out there that's gone through it and going through it with you. Like there's a camaraderie there that kind of calms and soothes the, the anxiety sufferer. Like, okay, this guy's done it. He's been there. He's felt all these feelings and he's fine. He's doing well now. Everything's good, you know, and he's here to help me to get through my anxious moment. My DMs on Twitter are always open. So if people hear this and they want to get a hold of me and ask me questions about anxiety, maybe they have something specific they're trying to work through. I can try to help them with my experience. I always guide people at some point you might want to go see an actual mindfulness counselor or a counselor just to get your mind mm -hmm. wrapped around with maybe some of the triggers are coming from some sort of deep rooted post-traumatic stress situation or childhood thing. I'm not in a position to counsel that, but I can help you understand your anxiety and understand the symptoms you're going through and understand why you feel the way you feel and give you kind of a roadmap to get out of your anxiety. Some people are gonna have to go a little deeper. Some people are gonna have to dig into some deep, deeper rooted situational stuff to, to really get a hold of it. But generally speaking, once you can grasp and understand your anxiety, it gives you a much better outlook going forward. And then you're not so afraid of your anxiety when it does crop up. That's great, man. And that sounds like a uh, pretty good spot to cut it here. So, yeah. So, um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Oh, I'm on Twitter is probably the best way you can find me. And that's at John, J-O-H-N, Millard, M-I-L-L-A-R-D, the number three. Um, and, you know, just like I said, my DMs are open. Follow me. I post stuff on Twitter all the time with regard to anxiety and mental health. I'm always, I'm writing a you know, blog post, trying to do two a week, talking about you know, the top five things you can do today to help your anxiety or just a dialogue on like somebody's story. I've got another kid that's gonna come on board with me. He just graduated from college and he went through high school during the social media age and he wants to help me create some blog posts based on his anxiety in his panic attacks he went through through high school and that he still struggles with a little bit, but his story gives a little different perspective to maybe a different demographic. Um, oh, that's so, fantastic. So I post on there all the time. So if you follow me, then you're gonna see the links to these blog posts. Um, you're, gonna, you're gonna put on the Gumroad thing. I'll mark that down and then just keep- Yeah, over there, there, will be link, there will be links to your Twitter, um, to your blog, as well as your Gumroad. Um, and then once you, uh, release the new book, you know, we're, I'm constantly getting listeners on even the old uh, episodes. So you send me the link to that one and I'll add it uh, into the show notes for this episode and then we That'd can push it all out together. That'd be great, Jeff. I just really appreciate you having me on today. You know, I mean, again, this was my first, uh, my first podcast. If anybody else is out there doing a podcast and they want me to for some sort of anxiety thing, just let me know. I yeah, absolutely. I'm not... I haven't felt uncomfortable at all, even though he's not wearing anything right now that you guys can't see. <laughs> I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but John, yeah, uh, it was a real pleasure to have you on. And for those of you listening, and th for those of you listening, in the show notes, there will be links to where you can find John, uh, links to his blog that you can read, links to the Gumroad account where you can uh, get and I believe what you say he's going to have it marked down for the next two weeks at yeah, the time of this recording. Yep, I'm going to mark it down right when I get off the off program here. I'll mark it down to five dollars. All right, and it's going to be marked just, down. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be marked down to five bucks. Um, it's going to be on Gumroad. The link will be there by the time this episode comes up tonight. It'll already be there for five bucks for the next two weeks. Yeah, I'll just leave it at five. If people are, are, if it's working for people, it might stay at five for a while. I mean, I just well, want there to you go. Out there, just want to make sure it's out there. And I'll be continuing to build more field guides that are a little different for each different personality. Change up the binaural track a little bit. Maybe some will just be fifteen minutes of demystification. 
talking about all the symptoms, going through each single one and letting you know, like, I've been there. This is how I felt. Try to add a little comedy to it, too. Like, like holy crap, you know, not let it be so daunting to people. I just don't want people to be so afraid that, you know, their anxiety is going to be a defining thing in their life. It really isn't. It's going to be something that, again, my book that I'm coming out with, it's going to be your superpower. You're going to eventually learn to love your anxiety. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, thanks again, so, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. And this is going to be it for this episode of the Rugged Legacy Podcast. Thank you all for listening and take it easy. Thank you for listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the content on all of the episodes, especially this one here. If you'd like to become a contributor and support this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash rugged legacy and click on the support icon. Everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a Rugged Legacy production.